You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Third down inches to go. Debater. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Down. Back to throw. Andrew Turnbull, who was the publisher of the Press Gazette, was a big promoter of the Packers from the get-go. Turnbull became one of the key architects of the corporate side of the Packers. Green Bay Press Gazette had more to do with the Packers surviving in the 1920s than the Packers did. The standing behind the Packers is just part of making Green Bay something special. Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can find us on Packernet.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Hope you guys are having an awesome Sunday. Uh, just want to put out a, a quick show and kind of kind of hit on a few things that are uh, important here as we step into draft week. I know it's time to just get absolutely jacked. Um, we are fired up for the uh, the draft show that we're going to do there live Thursday night for the first round. The guys are geared up and, and getting ready. I mean, you never know. We may be dressed to the nine and we might be acting like fools. We're definitely going to have a good time as we step into the first round of the NFL draft. But as far as the show today, guys, we've got a lot to cover. And I'm going to try to go as quickly as possible. Hopefully the voice doesn't leave me. And we don't do too much stuttering, uh, 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 all that good stuff. And we'll get through this information because I think it's going to be an awesome show. First of all, with our Packers history segment, we are going to be covering the very first president of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Andrew Turnbull. Uh, we also had a Facebook question from a listener that I'm going to hit on real quick, too. I'm really excited about that because he brings up a great point in uh, at the left tackle position in the health of Dave, David Bakhtiari and kind of look at our options moving forward as far as the draft, maybe people that are on the roster, that type of thing. We're also going to welcome in Jacob from Packernet Podcast to talk about safety prospects. This will be the last position that we cover obviously with the draft coming up Thursday night and uh, we're going to kind of dive into those prospects and look at who the Packers might have their eyes on we talked about Darnell Savage's recent struggles although we don't know he may turn it around this year being a contract year we're going to kind of look and see who those best prospects that might fit the Green Bay Packers with Jacob um, also, we're going to wrap up with just any latest news like we always do and kind of jump into, uh, hey, what's going on around the Packers and around the league as we get out, get you out of here on a Sunday afternoon and uh, obviously stepping into draft week. And, and we, we all know how this goes with draft week, guys. Every day, news will continue to mount. Rumors will continue to mount. There's going to be all kinds of speculation of, you know, what players each team are taking, who's who's falling, who's rising. It's almost inevitable every year when it comes to the draft, someone does something stupid, right, to cost themselves some draft position as far as from a prospect standpoint. And then there'll be trade rumors. There, it, To me, it seems like this year, more so than any other year, there's uh, a higher chance of actual players getting traded packaged with uh with you know draft picks as opposed to in the past so um gonna be really really cool week but um let's go ahead and jump right into our packers history segment i'm really excited about this one like I said before, we've got great feedback on this history segment. People love the George Calhoun uh, episode. They absolutely raved over the Jack Benisi. Again, it was nothing special that I did. It's just the story behind the Green Bay Packers and, and some of these guys that are the founding fathers, if you will, of the Green Bay uh, quote-unquote corporation. And um, today we're going to cover the very first president. That was Mr. Andrew Turnbull. And it was actually at a Packers banquet one time. He was introduced as the franchise's godfather. How cool is that, right? When you hear the godfather, you you think of uh, Don Don Vito Corleone, right, from the movie The Godfather, someone who was so vital in the in the success of his family's quote unquote business. If you guys like old mob movies, things like that. 
And uh, the fact that he was introduced as the franchise's godfather, man, you know that guy had a grin on his face when he walked to the podium. But he is the reason, guys, 100% the reason that the Packers are a community-owned team. And we know how important that is to us as Packer fans. I think that anytime someone says, uh, why don't we have an owner? We we would have more say if we had an owner. We'd be a stronger franchise if we if we had an owner. Okay, look in Washington right now. Look at the stupid stuff. As much as I like Jerry Jones personally, I really do. I think he's a great businessman. I think he has a passion for the game. But look at the stupid stuff he's done over the years. I think he's one of the reasons, personally, that the team hasn't had any success since Jimmy Johnson left, right? Or since, you know, what, two years after Jimmy Johnson left. So I think it's really important that we are a community-owned team, and, and Andrew Blair Turnbull is the reason for that. He was actually born – this story is so awesome. He was born in London, Ontario, Canada, okay, so on February 26, 1884. So he, uh, his father was actually a train conductor, and unfortunately his father died in a train accident when Andrew was only nine years old. You start to see this theme throughout history of, of guys who are strong-willed and, and, and great businessmen – <clears throat> great football players, great coaches. They seem to have to face adversity at an early age, and I really think that that galvanizes the fabric of a human being. I mean, when you when you have to go through hardship, it really makes you appreciate the things that you got. It makes you want to work harder and do better. When you when you've kind of seen the dark side of the tracks, and I somewhat relate to that with my childhood, it's like I'm never going back there, dude. Never. I'm never going to be broke again. I'm never going to be on government assistance. I'm never, you know, I watched my family struggle so much growing up that it was just, it lit a fire under me that I know there's more out there. And when I realized I was good enough to go get more for me and my future wife and my family and her family and everybody that we consider, you know, close-knit friends and really an extension of our family, it made me want to do better. It made me want to work harder. That's kind of how it it's been with the Ray Nitschke story, right? And, and now with this Andrew Turnbull, the guy's dad died when he was nine years old. In 1899, guys, he was at the age of 15. Turnbull moved to the United States to take a job as an office boy for the Detroit News. So think about that. Father died, you know, just a few years uh, before when he was nine. At 15 years old, he leaves his current country and comes to the United States to work as a mailboy an office boy for the Detroit News. He says he moved several times advancing his career in the newspaper industry and became a U.S. citizen in 1914. I just want to stop there because there's so much talk today, especially in the political realm, about um, you know immigrants wanting to come to the country, and, and they deserve to be here, and, and they have the right to come to the United States. You know what? I 100% agree. Everybody Everybody, no matter what your background is, deserves the right to live in the, the the greatest country in the history of the world, right? But there's a proper way of doing it. And Andrew Turnbull did that in 1914. He actually earned his U.S. citizenship, right? A guy that was willing to go through all the measures to become a U.S. citizen. And you could tell that he kind of caught that spark of the American dream, right? And that's what he wanted to do was come to the U.S. He moved from Saginaw to Green Bay, Wisconsin in 1915, and he formed the Green Bay Newspaper Company with John Klein and Victor Minahan. Now, What's cool is Turnbull had met Klein while working in Saginaw. So this is a guy who already obviously knew how to network. I can only imagine the people skills he had as a very young man. But together, the three men actually purchased the Green Bay Press-Gazette and the Green Bay Free Press, which at the time they were competitors and they were both struggling. The three men merged the papers into the Green Bay Press-Gazette, and it became an afternoon daily newspaper. So what he did was kind of looked at the landscape and said, okay, you got these two papers that are both struggling. It's obvious they're struggling because they're competing against each other. You kind of see this with sports franchises sometimes when you got two teams in one town in one city and they're kind of button heads. You're, you're drawing fan interest from each team as where you could unify the entire city, right, with a business model, whether it's a newspaper, a sports franchise, what have you. Um, it's, it's so cool that they were visionaries and they seen that and they formed the Green Bay Press-Gazette. So it says Turnbull was an early fan of the Green Bay Packers and was acquainted with its two founders, Curly Lambeau and George Whitney Calhoun, right? You've heard that name before. Calhoun worked with Turnbull as an editor for the Press-Gazette. His newspaper was also had also been recognized for playing an essential role in the early development of the team. Since the Packers were a small-town team, 
They relied on local businessmen and civic leaders for support. One of the first recorded interactions between Turnbull and the Packers came in 1922. The Packers were set to play a team from Duluth, Minnesota, on Thanksgiving. However, 12 straight hours of rain threatened to cancel it. If the game was canceled, the Packers would have still needed to pay the Duluth team. So even though there weren't going to be any fans there, if they canceled the team, you still, by league rules, had to pay the away team for their services, for them coming in and playing. Well, without any ticket sales or other financing, uh, that would have bankrupt the team. So Lambeau, Calhoun, and other team leaders met in the Press Gazette building and discussed what should be done. Turnbull just happened to stop by. Think about this, guys. If he hadn't stopped by and was in on this conversation, the Green Bay Packers may not exist today. I just think that's really, really cool. But it says that he actually stopped by. Uh, the building was quickly brought into the group to make a decision. Turnbull convinced the Packers to play the game, even though they would lose a significant amount of money by promising a rally local to rally local business leaders to support the team. So what happened was the league told the Packers, and I heard this in another documentary, they told Curly Lambeau and George Calhoun, if you don't play this game, you're done in this league, okay? That that would be the biggest embarrassment to us. We're already trying to steer people away from small-town franchises, but if you're not willing to pay, play a game because of rain, right? And they actually had an insurance policy that was supposed to cover the team <clears throat> if indeed it reached so much uh, rain. I think they said they, they missed that rain mark by like a hundredth of an inch. So they couldn't cash in on the insurance, which that's the story of insurance, right? There's always some kind of stipulation that, you know, it, legally you have to have insurance for 90% of the things that you want to do in business or driving a car, a motorcycle, whatever it is. But they, you know, it's funny. You don't make that payment. The insurance gets canceled. You have an accident. You got to wait on that insurance money. I always think it's funny. But anyway, I digress. So he convinced them to play this game. And he said, listen, if you play this game so you don't get kicked out of the league, what I'll do is rally local business uh, leaders to support the team. So Turnbull, being a man of his word, actually fulfilled his promise. He organized a stock sale. Guys, this is the very first recorded stock sale of the Green Bay Packers. For all you guys listening that have bought stock over the last two, three stock sales, whatever it is, um, I know I, I bought a, a purchase stock in the last two. This is the guy who formed the very first stock sale. He organized a stock sale that raised $5,500 and converted the Packers into a publicly owned nonprofit football team. In 1923, Turnbull was elected to lead the new publicly owned Green Bay Football Corporation as its first president. Turnbull served as the president of the corporation until 1928 and was on the board of directors until 1949. His primary contribution as president was helping to keep the Packers in Green Bay during a time when the National Football League was parring its member member teams down to those located in large cities. Turnbull represented the Packers at NFL meetings, and he was so highly respected they appointed him to a committee in 1926, listen to this guys, to completely rewrite the NFL's constitution and bylaws. If you guys have ever owned a business, been a part of a home association, <clears throat> what have you, there's bylaws and a constitution that's written. It's the backbone. It's what, it's really what holds our country together. It's amazing how many people don't actually know that, but it's a backbone of an organization, a country, a business, whatever it is you're talking about. He was so highly respected that the other NFL owners said, we want George Turnbull to be right here with us and let's completely rewrite this NFL's constitution and bylaws. It's just, I think that's the, the coolest thing ever. He was so widely, widely respected in the NFL that after resigning as president of the Packers, he was then appointed to the NFL's executive committee. Um, just a, an amazing man. Uh, uh, not just for the Green Bay Packers, but it sounds like the role that he played in the entire National Football League. Uh, he actually died, uh, Turnbull died in Green Bay. Actually, I believe I'm pronouncing it right, it's in Alloway, I think is how you say it. That's actually where Curly Lambeau is buried. I visited his gravesite one time. Uh, so he passed away in that area of Green Bay, just on the outskirts. On October 17, 1960, uh, Turnbull did at the age of 76, and he was inducted into the Packer Hall of Fame in 1977. And this time of year, it's easy to get caught up in you know, why aren't we signing free agents? Uh, you know, we need to make sure we trade up in the draft to get this superstar player. And yes, talent matters, guys. Don't get me wrong. We're actually going to answer a Facebook question that, that kind of touches on that a little bit here in a second. But talent matters. But the thing that you want to really, really have embedded as a Packer fan is 
what makes a team. That's the thing that's overlooked so many times. It's about camaraderie. You know, when Devontae Adams left, the thing that kept popping up in my mind, and, and this sounds so silly, but I think all the time, why, why didn't he do any Lambo leaps those last two years? Like, it really struck me as odd. Like, everybody else is celebrating with the fans and doing all this stuff. It's obvious that Tay wanted out. Tay wanted out. <clears throat> that came out in the open now. The last year and a half, he wanted to go to Vegas, right? Well, why why would you trade the best receiver in the game? Because that's what he wanted. You know, if he's unconvinced, if you have to convince someone, they are still unconvinced. I'm sorry. If he did not want to be here, that's bad for team camaraderie. And the fact that they got a haul in, in, in return for him, I think it, it worked out for everybody. I respect Tay. I think he got exactly what he deserved. He got a huge contract. He got to play with the guy he wanted to play with, his college QB and car, and got to go closer to home where his family could see the games. It all worked out. But I think that some people were kind of overlooking that, that if a player doesn't want to be here, that's not going to help your team ultimately. It's, not, it's just not going to happen. Talent isn't everything in the league. Bill Belichick, I always go back to this quote, and it's so huge. He said, we're building a team, not collecting talent. Michael Lombardi's quoted it in his book. Um, it, it, I, I can't remember the name of Lombardi's book. It's actually a great book. Sometimes he gets on my nerves, but man, what a powerful book because he worked for people like Bill Walsh and Al Davis as much as a lot of people like to hate on Al Davis. Al Davis was a pioneer in the, fo- in the game of football. But <clears throat> Bill Belichick, Building a team, not collecting talent. You know, a story that comes to mind is Riga Dwyer. If you don't know who Riga Dwyer was, he actually played football for Green Bay West High. He started for the Packers in 1920. One of the one of the better players on the team, from what I can understand, in 1920. That November, he slipped under a railroad car and had to have an arm and a leg amputated. And they actually ran a charity game for him that Lambeau and everybody kind of organized for him uh, actually using the East and West High School uniforms and equipment. So they used the high school team's equipment and uniforms, and they did a charity game to help this player of theirs that obviously at the time, guys, could you imagine having a leg and an arm amputated? You're done. You you can't work. You can't provide for your yourself or your family. So the Packers did a charity game, and they raised $4,053.02. Curly, Turnbull, Calhoun, Neil Murphy at the time, presented it to him in the hospital. Those are the type of things that galvanize teams. We're building a team, not collecting talent. Lombardi, you know, there's a cool story about Vince Lombardi. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but he coached a young man by the name of Mickey Corcoran in high school back in, I believe it was Jersey or some somewhere in New York City. And uh, he, Mickey Corcoran talked about how being on the court, right, Lombardi coaching basketball, he said, you know, even on the football field, when people would get on the football field with him, it's like he would convince you that the other team, even though they were way better than you, Lombardi could convince you that they don't even deserve to be on the same field as you, right? And, and he said you, you found yourself playing above your level because that's what was great about Lombardi. He knew how to build teams, we're building a team, not collecting talent. You know, a lot of people don't know that Mickey Corcoran actually went on to coach Bill Parcells in high school basketball, right? And from that day forward, Bill Parcells took Mickey Corcoran everywhere with him when he got to the pro level. A lot of people don't know that. Corcoran was attached with, with Parcells at the hip for the rest of his life, being on the sidelines, and he was Parcells' mentor. Not my words, that's Bill Parcells' words, right? And of course... What's really cool is Bill Parcells would go on to mentor the great Bill Belichick. So think about that line from Lombardi to Mickey Corcoran and, you know, coaching him in high school and then from Mickey Corcoran to Bill Parcells and the stuff that Bill Parcells instilled in my opinion, the greatest coach in the history of National Football League, and that's Bill Belichick. You know, one of the other stories, Bart Starr, uh, they were talking about how he checked Vince Lombardi one time said that Lombardi was just going off on Bart. It was one of the one of the first days that Lombardi got there, and he's going off on in front of his team. Bart said, I didn't say anything to him in front of the team. Afterwards, I said, Coach, can I talk to you in your office? <clears throat> yeah. So they go in there and have a conversation. He said, listen, if you if you want to chew me out, that's cool. I can handle I'm a big boy. I can tell you. I got my big boy pants on. But you do it here in the privacy of your office because when you chew me out in front of that team and then you want me to go out there and be your leader, you're undermining me in front of those players, and they'll know, there's no way they'll ever look at me as a leader. So if I got a butt chewing, you bring it to me, but we do it in the private of this office where I can tell you to your face when you're wrong, and you've got to be man enough to accept it. 
They said Lombardi never yelled at him in front of the players again. And, and again, what are we doing? It's about building a team. He knew how to be a leader. Lombardi recognized it, said, I made a mistake. Okay, yeah, let's change that up because we're building a team, not collecting talent. You, know, you think about in the 90s and Brett Favre going through rehab. Whether you like Brett Favre or not, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally a fan. But, you know, he went through rehab and he came out of rehab and said it's basically Super Bowl or bust. And the team rallied around him. A lot of them said, man, to see what he went through battling that addiction because he had a seizure on a trainer's table is when they realized he's really, really addicted to Vicodin. So the team rallying behind him battling that addiction led to a Super Bowl, right? Because there's something more than talent. Yes, he was the MVP quarterback, but he played at a higher level when he seen people had his back. Because we're creating a team, not collecting talent. The C.J. Wilson story. Well, first of all, Charles Woodson, the halftime speech in 2010, right, when the Packers won the Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy. Charles Woodson breaks his collarbone going into halftime. And what's he do? He gives this, <clears throat> this, they said he could barely even speak. He was so emotional at halftime. Like, guys, you know what this means to me. And I can't be out there on the field with you. Please win this one for me. And everybody, Clay Matthews, Aaron Rodgers, you guys have heard me talk about it at nauseum. They came out and said, dude, we, we got to win this for Wood because we're building a team, not collecting talent. That same team, really cool story on America's Game. Um, Mike McCarthy talked about he brought into a, a sports psychologist to speak to the team and work, to, work with the team. The night before the Super Bowl, there was a piano in the lobby of where they had their meeting. It kind of sounded like it was a hotel maybe. I'm not sure the exact location, but C.J. Wilson, a defensive lineman at the time, could play piano. And they said he got on the piano and just started playing bits and pieces of certain songs, and the team gathered around, and the team was singing along with him as he was playing piano. And it was just this, this beautiful moment amongst all these players that put all the ego aside, and they were one, just like Woodson talked about in the speech after the Chicago Bears NFC Championship game. And... Michael Mike McCarthy said that the sports psychologist nudged him and looked, pointed over at him. He said, you see that right there and the, all, the, all the players around and everything, that camaraderie? He said, you just won a Super Bowl because we're building a team, not collecting talent. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going on here. I'm going to wrap this segment up. It's important. You, all the way from Andrew Turnbull to George Calhoun to Curly Lambeau to, to everybody, right? Neil, all of them. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's going on right now with the Green Bay Packers. You know, middle linebacker Devondre Campbell said just the other day that he wanted to play for LaFleur. He watched all the film and told LaFleur he wanted to be a Mike linebacker. And his plan was, I'm going to Green Bay because he 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 played on the Atlanta Falcons when 
when Matt LaFleur was there as the quarterback's coach, I believe it was, or maybe he was just passing coordinator, but he was an assistant coach on that staff. And he said, I seen LaFleur there, and when he went to Green Bay, I immediately started watching tape, and I'm like, that's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to sign. I don't care how little money it's going to be because he wanted to play for LaFleur. You know, they, they showed the players coming into the to the practice facility and to Lambeau the other day, and you got the new punter O'Donnell said he's living in a – basically living in um, Mason Crosby's basement right now. He's staying with the, you know, Mason's family. You know, you got Randall Cobb talking about looking forward to mentoring young receivers, and the reason he came back and the pay cut he took is because he wanted to play with his buddy Aaron Rodgers, right? You got uh, QB1, Aaron Rodgers himself, during his MVP speech, giving all the credit, all the praise to Matt LaFleur, saying that you were underrated, dude. You were a big part of this. Everybody passing all this stuff around, Right? Everybody's shining the light back on each other. Everybody trying to pick each other up. It's going to be a special year. I can feel it. I'm going to tell you why. Because we're building a football team. We're not collecting talent. And as much as I like Tay, it makes more and more sense to me now. He, he doesn't really fit in with this team. He just don't. He wanted to go elsewhere. And I think it was a bold move for Goody to sit down with Aaron and go, Dude, this is what he wants. And I guarantee you, he told Aaron, this is probably what's best for the team. Probably didn't tell Tay that in case Aaron might have had a you know different view on it. But uh, I think it's going to be a special year, guys. I'm excited about it. So, again, I just thought it was kind of funny. I didn't mean to go on that rant, but I think it's important. You know, it's more than just talent. It's more than getting the flashiest free agent name. You know, they signed Sammy Watkins for a reason. They're not expecting him to go out and replace Devontae Adams' production. They're probably not even expecting half of it, and rightfully so. But he's someone that they looked at as a key cog to the team. He's a good run blocker. He's someone that they ran by Aaron. Aaron said, I really like that guy because we're building a team. We're not collecting talents. Let's take a quick break. All right, I thought this would be really, really cool to kind of slam this into the show. Uh, A listener on Facebook, a listener of Ryan's podcast, I I don't know if he listens to ours or not, and and that's cool if he don't, but I thought, why not address it? Because I was just scrolling through Facebook and actually seeing this, this comment. And the guy put a post up on the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. If you guys aren't on there and you're on Facebook, you're hearing my voice, go to Facebook, find it. It's an awesome group to be a part of. Great guys on there. But anyway, Rich Smith said, I'm going to get towards for this one. So be it. Ryan, why are you and everyone else ignoring the fact that David Bakhtiari is a 31-year-old, 10-year veteran who hasn't played in over a year? Left tackle is possibly the most important player on the team after the quarterback. I agree with that, by the way. So here's my real question. Is there a left tackle in this draft that we should be looking for, looking at for the first round? First of all, Rich, you're not going to get torched. We may disagree somewhat at times, but you're never going to get torched by us, dude. As long as people are being respectful to each other, that's all we want. And we, if everybody agreed on everything, it would make for some boring podcasts. It would make for a boring Facebook group. You know what I'm saying? So, Dude, never feel like you're going to get torched for anything from us, unless you're just being a you-know-what, and then you probably will get torched. But to answer your question, I completely agree about left tackle, completely. I've mentioned it several times on this podcast. We don't know about Bakhtiari's knee. Everybody's just kind of assuming he's going to come back 100% healthy. I hope he does, but even if he does, the guy's not going to get better at 31 years old. He's only going to decline from here on out. Now, another another, uh, uh, Facebook... uh, you know, member actually commented and said he actually took a pay cut this year, and he did. Bakhtiar done, or not a pay cut, but a restructure to help the team, right? I don't know if he'll be here three years from now. Probably won't, to be honest with you. But as far as left tackle, Ryan and everybody else, nobody has said we need to – this is the podcast. This is – Packernet Podcast is probably the only one that hasn't said, we got to take a wide receiver in the first round. Yeah, we've talked about it because there's great wide receiver talent in this draft, but we have talked about tackle, you know, over and over and over. We've talked about Trevor Penning um, possibly falling there. I've got him in the 18th spot, right? Um, the three at the top, um, Aquanu, Neil, and Cross, the, I, I see no chance unless we trade up in the top 10 for us getting those tackles. So let's knock them off the board. So we're looking at a Tier 2 tackle in Penning and a Tier 3 tackle in Rayman. And then after that, we have a drop-off until Tier 7. So there's a good chance that the Packers will go after one of those two. But I'm going to tell you something else that's very, very important to me is the fact that we have uh, on the team Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins can play left tackle. We've got Josh Nyman. Josh Nyman shut Bosa down for the most part when they played the Niners that first time. 
right? And he played left tackle. We've got options there to the point where we don't have to reach. And I'm not insinuating that that's what you're saying in your post, that we need to reach for a left tackle because we're so desperate. I'm on the same page with you, man. Bakhtiari isn't a slam dunk. If he is healthy, awesome. But in the meantime, we do have two guys that can play left tackle. And uh, if Penning does drop to us, dude, we're, we're sitting pretty. Put Penning at right tackle if Bach is healthy. Keep Jenkins at left guard, and we're off to the races. You got Josh Nyman as that swing tackle, someone who could come in, fill in for you know bruises and, and people that get banged up. And, uh, and then moving forward, you would have, you know, a young tackle also that you could potentially roll into left tackle if you want to do that. But I, I am of the opinion that Elton Jenkins gives us a lot of versatility where we have a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle, even if we don't draft one and even if Bakhtiari isn't healthy. With that being said, left tackle, dude, you hit the nail on the head, Rich. Left tackle is the second most important position on offense in my opinion so with that little recap as far as the draft that was your question directly i think penning and ryman are our best shot unless we go get either linderbaum or zion johnson at guard and then elton jenkins could play left tackle for sure so hope that answered your question again dude you're never going to get torched on here as long as you're being respectful i think it was a great great post on facebook and a good uh, a good topic to bring up so appreciate your feedback all right, joining us on the line now is social media guru for Packernet Podcast, lifelong Packers fan, and barbecue pitmaster in training. What's up, Jacob? How you doing, man? Good, man. How you doing? Doing good, dude. We're hitting 85 degrees down here today. So fun games are over. I know you guys would love that, but I'm already tired of the heat. Man, we got two days of it, and I'm ready for fall to get here. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, we got 40, 50 mile an hour winds, and uh, yesterday it was 70 but thunderstorms and about four days ago we had freezing rain and snow so welcome yeah. to wisconsin yeah sounds about right old man winter trying to hang on it sounds like he's drunk in the front yard right <laughs> <laughs> all right well dude i know we chatted a little bit offline about this and i've already told the uh, the listeners we're going to hit on safety today we kind of felt like it was a need um in a need in the sense of it could be a potential starter if savage doesn't work out you know i was kind of looking through spot track here jacob and uh, just looking at the salary cap hit, obviously, from the best of my knowledge, it's completely guaranteed, um, which is, a, uh, I think, a cap hit this year for Darnell Savage at $3.9 million. Um, I think we could draft a safety for depth and someone that could potentially work into that starting role. Um, but with that being said, I do not see them picking up a fifth-year option at $7.9 million unless he just completely balls out this year, which, to be honest with you, man, I welcome that with open arms. We uh, we need better yeah. play there at the free safety position. But with that being said, when you look at the draft prospects this year at the safety position, um, obviously Kyle Hamilton sits right there at the top. I've actually got him number two on my board. But outside of that, you got to jump down two tiers to find the next safety. And you've compiled a list here of five safeties that you uh, kind of have a little bit of a knowledge of. And let's go ahead and dive into them. And I think number one on your list is out of the University of Michigan. You got Daxton Hill. Uh, what do you think about Daxton Hill? Yep, Daxton Hill, safety Michigan. And again, like you said, it almost feels like I'm cheating on my girlfriend or something, trying to like go behind her back to, I love Savage. I love when we drafted him. I love the speed, the you know athleticism, the name. It was awesome. I wanted his jersey. And then, you know, for how promising he was early, he just kind of drifted off. So yeah, it, it stinks that we have to kind of look to replace him. But Daxton Hill, six foot, 191. Uh, RAS of 9.05. He's a junior, 21 and a half years old. He ran the 40 and 438. So again, very, very fast man. A little bit of background. He ran the 4340 and had a 43 inch vertical leap in high school. And as a result of that, he was a five star recruit. He was ranked the number one safety in Oklahoma. He was ranked the number 14th player overall in the class of 2019. He turned down offers from Clemson, Oregon, Georgia, LSU, and Oklahoma to, uh, to accept the offer from Michigan. Some quick accolades 2021 he was all big 10 first 10 uh all big 10 first team he had his career high in tackles and pass breakups uh he's shown the progression you guys know i like that 2019 71.6 2020 72.1 this last year he has a 76.2 grade he's just good overall in everything he's a 73.8 coverage grade 76.8 run defense grade he lines up like a lot of these guys do all over the ball. He, uh, he lined up on the D line at 20 spots, uh, slot 580 times, corner 19 times. He was in the box 132 times. He played deep 80 times. They're saying his role in the NFL will probably be a deep safety, although he does have the skills to play slot corner. And that would be, I mean, I that would be great 
to me, if the Packers could get him, maybe let him sit behind Savage for a year, see how Savage does. We can even get him on the field, maybe as that hybrid backer safety guy. Maybe he plays a little bit of slot corner. If one of the guys gets hurt, you know, we got Razul and Jair, obviously, and, and uh, Stokes. But, you know, if one of them goes down, we could that could be a need real quick. Um, so some of his strengths, again, he's a five-star athlete. He's got all the intangibles. He's great top-end speed. Does a great job of sorting through traffic. Uh, some of the knocks on him, though, is he's going to need to get a little bit stronger. He's a little lean. He can get lost in the shuffle. He hasn't had as many college starts as he'd like, so the tape's a little limited. Um, and he's not quite dominating as you'd think he would be for how fast and, and his size. He's got a pro comparison to Devin McCourty, uh, so that'd be great. You know, Devin Ooh. McCourty's a pretty great player. He's mocked third most to the Packers, which is interesting. Uh, they PFF has got him basically as maybe a late first rounder. I could see him maybe sneaking into the mid first round and he, I could see him also falling maybe to the second. Yeah. That, I think you hit on every, every angle there. You know, when you said, you know, maybe a high backer type player, you know, we lost Chandon Sullivan to Minnesota. Yep. And that's kind of a little bit of that role that he played. A lot of people were concerned. They don't want Jair playing in the slot. Maybe he could roll in and out of the slot, spell these guys as far as Rasul, um, you know, uh, and, and Stokes and, and Jair. So, yeah, uh, the big board has him. The consensus big board has him right now at 29. He peaked at 19, which completely feeds into that, you know, what you just said about him possibly being in the first round. And on my big board, I actually have Daxton Hill sitting at number 31, so kind of right there in the middle. So, yeah, um, when you look at the Packers' picks, you know, they pick uh, 22nd and 28th. If, barring any trades, which I don't think – the, the, this draft's going to go along without there being any Packer trades. I think we all agree on that. But not being able to project those grades, um, I think that number 28 would be your best shot to take Daxton Hill. But, uh, you know, you talking about the scouting report, him playing deep safety, that's exactly what we need because that's what Savage's role has kind of been, you know, um, with uh, Amos kind of uh, roaming around there in the box. And completely agree about the McCourty comparison, dude. I would love – Love to have Devin McCourty playing free safety for the Green Bay Packers. Right. Good yeah. stuff, man. All right. Up next on the list, we have Lewis Seen out of Georgia. What's up with uh, with Lewis Seen? Lewis Seen, 6'2", 199, RS of 9.92. He's a junior, 22 and a half years old, ran the 40 in 4.37 seconds. So, again, the guy's a very, very fast, very large man. Uh, went to Trinity Christian School after an impressive senior year, was selected to play in the 2019 Under Armour All-American game. He was rated a four-star prospect by two force prospect by two four seven sports and ESPN. Uh, he was the 66th overall prospect nationally. So guy's got some uh, pretty high accolades. He chose Georgia over a long list of other schools that he had offers to again, shows some great progression. 2019, 73.7 took a tiny step back in 2020, uh, 72 flat grade 2021 had an 82.4 grade. He was 2021 AP all sec first team. Had 81.4 coverage grade, 83.4 run defense grade. So, again, the guy's just all around very solid, um, great size. Snaps by alignment. He played four snaps at the D-line, 118 in slot, 11 at corner, 155 in the box, and 534 deep. Some pros and cons. Great speed, great uh, size-speed combination. He's super hard-hitting, athletic safety, long arms, uh, violet downhill hitter. He he is going to strike fear into any wide receiver that tries to come across the middle, which – is awesome. I love that leader on the Georgia defense. He said he acts kind of like a coach on the field. Some of the knocks adequate speed. They're saying he doesn't have that crazy fast closing, closing speed, but uh, he can sometimes get caught flat footed limited uh, in his ability to break on passes. Sometimes he's a little bit iffy in the man coverage skills. He can get a little handsy. He does better with a cushion. What's interesting. He has shades of Adrian Amos, according to PFF uh, mm. CBS sports says he's a Juan Thornhill, but again, if we can get either, shade of those types of dudes that that's awesome he's uh, mocked second most of the packers actually at 16 percent of mocks again they're saying he's a possible first maybe late round first uh pff sees him more as like a second rounder mm -hmm. but yeah. i i could see him going honestly even like top 15 if somebody got really in love with him i, I could see the vikings for some reason taking a snap at him you know what i mean yeah, just right yeah and, and you know you're all over it too i mean it, it What's really cool is you you talked about, you know, him being mocked to the Packers. And I, and I just glanced up here at the consensus big board and Daxton Hill, who we just covered, that's actually the projection at number 28, according to consensus big board mm -hmm. in Bay too. So we're all over this. Um, as far as Lewis seen on the consensus big board, he sits right now at number 34. He peaked at 26. 
And on my board, I have seen directly behind Daxton Hill at number 32. Daxton Hill being 31, Lewisine being 32. And what you're seeing are these safeties kind of jumbled up here. And, and another Georgia defender, Jacob, my goodness, dude. They, mm-hmm. they're, they're, there's going to be water boys getting drafted from Georgia. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, good good stuff, man. Uh, on to the next. We have uh, Brisker out of Penn State. I know all you meatheads out there like me and Jacob, we want to call him Brisket. Um, get my mouth water in this early. But uh, what, what do you think about uh, Brisker out of Penn State? Yeah, I'm going to call him Brisket, so just be ready for that. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's 6'1". He's 199. He's got an RAS of 9.14. He's graduated. He's 23 years old. He had a 40 of 4.49. Um, this guy's a little interesting because – Ryan and I have touched on how we think that it translates uh, some of the off the field stuff. Academics can translate to on the field. Well, this guy had trouble getting into a school right out of high school because he had academic issues. So he decided to go and showcase his skills at Lackawanna Community College, which I cannot read that sentence without thinking of Dwight Schrute, the Lackawanna <laughs> County Deputy <laughs> Sheriff. I seriously, yes. I Pretty laughed every time I looked, <laughs> I laughed every time. <laughs> Uh, but he impressed his two years there, received the uh, Northeast Football Conference Defensive Player of the Year honors in 2018. As a result, he was named, uh, I believe, the, yeah, one of the best JUCO prospects in 2019. So he transfers over to Penn State, where he scores a 82 flat grade his first year, which is very impressive. 2020 goes to 82.8. And then 2021 takes a tiny, tiny step back at 82.4. But all three years, just solid production there. Um, he had an 89.5 coverage grade. He had a 67.4 run defense grade. So that'll be his biggest knock on him is that he's not one of those kind of not as much of a hard nosed guy that's willing to come in and thump people. But again, he's, he's played all over. He's got 28 snaps on the D line, 153 in the slot, seven at corner, 433 in the box, 165 playing deep, some pros and cons. He's got great height, speed combination. Uh, he can play both free and a strong safety. He's a natural leader on the defense. He behaves like a coach on the field. So again, maybe a lot of that academic stuff, you know, I was a dumb, you know what, when I was a kid and a lot of times <laughs> you, you, you grow up and you mature and, and there's certain things that you learn as you become a man. And, and that's, I think maybe what he's doing. Cause it sounds like his, his coaches loved him, his, his fellow players loved him. They respected him anyways, but they say he doesn't necessarily diagnose plays quickly enough and sometimes can, can react a little bit late because of that. Sometimes he'll too often bite on quarterback play action fakes. Uh, and he doesn't have the elite speed to make up for that being he's a four or five guy. Sometimes he can take bad angles again. Sometimes he, he seems to overshoot, but uh, another interesting quote uh, from NFL draft buzz, I thought was noteworthy was they said, while most expect Kyle Hamilton to be the best safety prospect in this year's class, we, after further evaluation to expect brisker, will likely become a more complete pro and as a result should be taken high in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. And it's interesting again, because now we have draft buzz saying that they mock him maybe a late first PFF says he's a second round CBS sports says he's a, maybe a late to third rounder. So they kind of all over the place with him. Yeah, for sure. And looking here on the consensus big board, they've got Jaquan Brisker at number 51. Currently he peaked at 25 his projection is number 51 to the Philadelphia Eagles. On my big board, I have him at number 38. So, again, that's the third safety within, what, six slots of each other, seven slots right. from 31, 32, and 38 um, there with Briskers. So, yeah, he's uh, he's one of those that when I first looked at the consensus big board here, it's like, man, he actually peaked higher than uh, Seen did. But mm-hmm. he's sitting at currently at 51. So, yeah, um, and with you saying he's, you know, way better at playing the pass and the run, definitely would fit in that free safety spot as opposed to the strong safety, which we know we're in good shape there with uh, Adrian Amos for the time being. Good stuff, man. Uh, on to the next one. This seems to be the Darnell Savage uh, mini-me, right? This is Nick Cronk yep. out of Maryland. What do you think about him? Yeah, uh, interesting. It's 6'1", 212. That's a big frame. He's got an RAS of 9.87. He's a junior, 20.7 years old. I mean, that all just, he's got the size, the big weight, the RAS. He's a little bit younger. He's got a 4.3440 time. So again, I mean, yeah, this is savage incarnate, basically. Uh, Nick Cross was a consensus four-star recruit after finishing his uh, senior season with 94 tackles and four interceptions. He was the top ranked player in the state of Maryland, and uh, he was a participant in the Army All-American game. Uh, some other accolades, three-time honorable mention, All-Big Ten, 
all three years he was there. He had the fastest 40 yard dash time along safeties at the combine and he weighs 212 pounds. So that's impressive right there. Now what's interesting. And I shouldn't say maybe interesting, maybe just worrisome for me. You guys know how I like progression. Well, this dude has done the exact opposite of what I like. I like to see them make a, a little bit of a growth each season. He's started in 2019 at an 81.4 grade, which is great. 36 out of 528 safeties next year jumps down to a 77.7 this last year. It's a 67.7. So I don't know if that is a lack of talent around him. If the coaching staff maybe switched his roles, I don't know necessarily if PFF just doesn't like what he does, but maybe he still shows up because statistically he seems like he had his best year this last year and, and seems to be making improvements. And when you look at him on film, I, you know, you still see the flashes and in the, in the intangibles of somebody that could be drafted and should be drafted. But just the fact that he has downgraded that drastically over the time is a little bit worrisome for me, but pros yeah. box safety with elite speed member of the Maryland track team as well. So that's where he gets his quickness. He has the ability to reach top speed quickly. He brings the pain as the tackler. He can stop ball carriers straight in their uh, rate where they stand uh, cons. He can be needlessly risky at times, which as, as deep safety, you know, you can't afford to do that vision to, Fill the run box is, is below average. He waits for ball carries to approach him, which I hate. I've never, you know, you wait and you see the guy stop and wait for the ball. I, that just drives me nuts. It's always drove me nuts. <laughs> um, he's handsy in man coverage, so he relies on grabbing at the top of the routes to stick with him. Uh, they're saying his, his role in the NFL is going to be a deep safety. He can play in the box. He's dabbled in the slot, but they say it's, it's a waste for him to not use that speed and to be able to, to chase down people in the middle of the field. Of course, they've got his pro comparison as Darnell Savage Jr. Of course, uh, his draft grade, they're saying fourth from NFL draft buzz. PFF is saying anywhere from a second to a third. So again, they're kind of, they're kind of iffy with this guy. They're not quite sure where he might fall. Yeah. And with the consensus big board, they have Nick Cross at number 98. Currently he peaked at 76 on my big board. I actually have Cross at 76. So, uh, yeah, and, and when you look at the Packers draft picks, um, currently we have the 53rd pick and the 59th pick. That's going to be in that strike zone for mm -hmm. Cross for sure. I kind of feel like um, if, if either of the others that you already mentioned in Daxton Hill, um, you know, Lewis Seen or Brisker fall far enough to get at 53, we are sitting in heaven right there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, with Cross, it's probably going to take a, a little bit later pick to make it worth – the while and you could hear in the scouting report just a few more flaws than the others other guys yep. good deal man and our fifth and and final safety here we're going to cover is kirby joseph out of illinois tell me about him yeah this guy's kind of interesting um didn't know much about him i hadn't watched much film hadn't really heard of him i'm not an illinois fan of any kind so uh, but he's 6'1", 203 the ras is a bit of a mystery we don't quite know he hasn't ran um all the drills and that sort of thing He's a junior. He's 21 and a half years old. He ran the 40 and 4.5 flat. Uh, he was a two-way player in high school. He was a three-star recruit. Ultimately joined Illinois after receiving offers from Mississippi State, Syracuse, USF, FAU. He has shown wonderful progression. Uh, 2019, 52.6 grade, not great at all. 2020 jumps up to a 73.9. This last season, playing 716 snaps, had a 90.4 grade as the safety. That's fifth out of 749 safeties. And again, he's Illinois, you know, that's not a tiny school or nothing like that. 2021, his coverage grade is a 90.6 and his run defense grade is a 76.5, which is very solid for, you know, a guy. He, he, he's, he's got a good frame on 6'1", 203 to be able to run, uh, to def defend the run that well and have that grade of a coverage grade was interesting to me. Uh, they're saying he's a split field safety. He'd be ideal and a two high roll due uh, to how easily he can transition off coverage and from coverage. Uh, he glides when he runs and can flip his hips like it's nothing. He's got ball skills, kind of like a wide receiver. He makes some really eye-popping plays on the field. He's a fantastic tackler. He thrives uh, uh, as a gunner on special teams. So right there, that jumps off the page where if he's a first-year guy who's behind Savage, behind you know Amos, whoever else, he can make an impact immediately on special teams where we obviously, if you're a Packer fan, you know that we need help on special teams. Some of the knocks on him, uh, he can't lock down a spark. He didn't lock down a starting spot in Illinois until senior year, which again is a little bit worrisome. His range is lacking. He doesn't cover the ground necessarily exactly the way that most teams would like a deep safety to be able to. Uh, he's rough around the edges due to his lack of experience. And you can see him kind of get a little, I don't want to say confused, but maybe 
he starts winging it at times. It looks like uh, they're saying that he has shades of Taylor Rapp. I know Ryan, I think, was a fan of Taylor Rapp coming out. Uh, that'd be great if we could get somebody around his level. Uh, draft grade around the second to late per NFL draft buzz. Third round is what they're saying from PFF. Again, a guy. Uh, also, I want to make a quick note. Scott Nelson, Wisconsin Badger. If anybody wants to take a draft or a, a shot at a safety, the UDFA, I got to throw a Badger in quick. <laughs> love it. Love it, dude. Yeah. And when it comes to Kirby Joseph, he actually sits here in the consensus big board at number 101. He peaked at 78. And on my big board, I have him sitting at 84. So, uh, again, you know, how we started this conversation, Jacob, was looking at the salary cap hit um, for Darnell Savage. If we pick up that fifth-year option with him being a first-round pick, it jumping up to over $7 million. If the guy performs the way he did last year, no way are we picking up that fifth-year option. If he reverts back to two years ago, absolutely we would pick it up. Um, it's kind of telling. And, you know, he's, he's back somewhat against the wall, right? And the Packers have, you know, the coaching staff's all been in his corner. They've all said, hey, we, we love Savage. We love what he brings to the table. They've all been encouraging. But got to see him step up this year because – if indeed he doesn't work out and we do, we were to draft a safety, let's say, right? I mean, the salary of taking a second or a third round safety and, and turning them into a starter, not, not that any of these are a guaranteed starter, but if it did work out, that's significant um, savings against the cap. And we all know we need that more than anything. So oh, yeah. um, good stuff, dude. Appreciate your time, man. Um, you, you always knock it out of the park. I swear. I think you, uh, when you're not cooking brisket, you're you're working for these uh, teams undercover doing scouts. But you sound like a pro, man, for sure. You so, got that yeah. seasoning in the sauce finally, huh? Oh, I did, dude. I'm so jacked. I was actually going to try to swing by the butcher and pick up a brisket, and it got closed on me before we got back from uh, Yeah, we opened up a, uh, a sports bar slash arcade yesterday and got nice. too late. But, yeah, I was wanting to swing by and get it. So that's what I'm going to do after work tomorrow. I'm going to swing by the butcher shop, get a brisket, and I'll probably put that on here in the middle of the week. So, uh, uh, dude, it's draft week, man. It is um, draft week. I'm jacked, man. I'm so excited. Yeah. Thursday night's going to be awesome, dude. And uh, I don't know if you heard, but I'm kind of hearing we might want to dress to the nine a little bit, bring a little bit of flair. So uh, you might want to braid the beard. I don't know what you got. <laughs> we need to do something crazy. It's going to be fun. Are, are, are you guys dressing up? Is that what's going on? I believe that's what's going on, man. I, I'm going to have multiple costumes. I'm going to have cowboy hats when the Texans and the Cowboys are on the clock. Cheesehead when the Packers trade up and and take a bus wide or sit. No, I'm just joking. But <laughs> I gotta bust out my tuxedo. Or is that how far we're going? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, hey, whatever, whatever it takes, man. Whatever. Classy, classy. Yeah, <laughs> but do appreciate your time, man. Look forward to hanging out with you there on on Thursday night for the draft, man. Yes, sir. It'll be a blast. All right, take care, pal. All right, there he is, Jacob from Packernet Podcast social media team. And I don't know if you guys seen it or not, but dude, uh, Jacob the other night got a message from Mr. Rashawn Gary himself. You know, he posted, I believe it was a story on the Packernet Podcast Instagram account and uh, just mentioning, you know, uh, Rashawn being Bane and, you know, how he kind of plays that role, the villain. I love it. And, uh, yeah, I actually hit Jacob up in a private message, reshared the post on his Instagram. So, uh, Jacob doing big, big things. Uh, for Packernet Podcast with social media there and Facebook and and other uh, outlets. So appreciate everything you do. You are the man, Jacob. So now as we wrap up the show, guys, let's just go kind of around the league and get you know check the latest pulse of what's going on with draft talk, trade rumors, things like that. We don't have a whole lot, but just a few things. Uh, at Cameron Wolf on Twitter said, The Jaguars GM Trent Baalke says nobody's called directly to trade for the number one overall pick yet. You know, usually you get some talk, some buzz around all right, who's interested in trading up for that number one pick. Seeing that it's kind of a weak quarterback class, it's uh, totally understandable that there's not been a lot of communication as far as potentially trading that number one pick. Trent Baalke actually has a history for drafting people with great combine numbers, the measurables, things like that, which has led a lot of rumors and Peter Schrager to say that he thinks he's actually going with Trayvon Walker at number one as opposed to Hutchinson or Thibodeau or, or anyone else there at the top tier of prospects. So with that being said, said the uh, the Jaguars appear to be set at pick number one. Uh, Balky actually said with a smile, quote, it's a work in progress. In regards to who they will pick, he noted they have a lot of players at the top 
of the draft that are graded very, very, very similarly. So uh, also on Twitter from Ian Rappaport, he said, quote, from my understanding, Debo Samuel basically told the 49ers, I want to be traded and I and don't make me an offer. I don't think this is about money per rap sheet. Okay, so as you guys know, I'm sure unless you've been living under a rock, Debo Samuel has requested a trade and, uh, you know, everybody's kind of seeing where's he going to end up. There's been multiple reports that he's been linked to four different teams, the Packers being one of those teams. I think the Colts was one. Um, I believe the Jets were one. I can't remember who the other was. But nonetheless, at Niners Nation, this is a blue check mark Twitter account. Um, take it with a grain of salt, whatever. I don't, I don't, you know, I haven't really fact checked Niner Nation at all to see if they how accurate they are on their tweets, but they did tweet not too long ago today that the Jets are quote all in on using pick number 10 to acquire 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel. Now when you look at what top receivers go for, okay, uh, first of all, I'm not saying Debo Samuel is a top receiver. When you look at what Devontae Adams got traded for, it was a first-round pick and a second-round pick in this year's draft, which really equates to a one this year and a one next year according to the chart. Okay, so two first-round picks or current year first and second-round pick. The fact that they're willing to trade the number 10 pick because the picks that were traded for Devontae Adams obviously are on the back half of the first round, that's a lot of capital. And if this is indeed is true that the Jets are, quote, all in on using pick number 10 for getting Debo Samuel, unless something really gets mended there between the 49ers front office and Debo Samuel, that's probably where he's going to end up. That would be where my money would go is the, you know, is on the Jets acquiring Debo Samuel, which I got to be honest, guys, I'm not that big on Debo. It's easy to watch that NFC championship and see, or the NFC playoff game last year and see just how, how good of a player he is in that role. But here's the thing. Here's the whole story. It sounds like he does not want to play running back anymore. So if he's not going to play running back anymore, let's go to the receiving grade. The receiving grade is is decent, but he is not a top three wide receiver in this league. I'm sorry. He is a hard-nosed football player. Everything about him I like, but I would there is no way that I would give up the number 10 pick for him. So with that being said, obviously the Packers don't have a number 10 pick, right? And We don't want them giving up their first-round pick, in my opinion, for Debo Samuel, seeing that we would be forced to use him as a wide receiver, or else he's going to be just as upset, if not more, playing in Green Bay and using in that running back role a little bit, right? So I don't want him as a receiver. I don't think he's a number one receiver, me personally. I could be wrong. That's just the way I feel about it. So with that being said, him getting traded from the 49ers make the 49ers weak, which is like it or love it, guys. That's the team that knocked us out of the playoffs last year. And Debo Samuel just about did it single-handedly along with the help of our special teams. We're not going to get into that, okay? We've thrown up enough over that. But he is no longer going to be in the NFC. That's good news for the Packers. Him going to the Jets, that's even better news. There's, I don't think there's any chance the Packers could meet the Jets in the Super Bowl. So this is kind of win-win for me as a Packers fan. I, I would be scared to death if they were willing to give up a first-round pick for a guy that's going to demand $25 million per year and not even do what it is he does best, which is be very, very versatile and run the football. So that's just my opinion on that. So uh, on to the last thing. I want to cover some dates really, really quick, and we're going to get out of here. First of all, the draft Thursday night. Day one, round one, will begin at 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's uh, 7 p.m. Lambo time on Thursday night. We're going to get started promptly, I believe, right around 8 o'clock. We're going to go live. Might be 7.30. You guys check with Ryan on that, but we're excited about having y'all join us for that. Day two, I thought I'd mention this because a lot of people have been asking questions, how does the draft lay out? Day two is going to be rounds two and three. They'll start at 7 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Lambeau time on Friday, April 29th. And then day three, which will be rounds four through seven, will kick off at noon Eastern time, 11 a.m. Lambeau time on Saturday, April the 30th. So I thought it was worth mentioning so you guys can kind of know in advance, all right, that's how the the draft's going to lay out. It's my understanding Ryan is going to be live the entire draft. Check with him just to make sure. But we'll, some of us will probably be in and out of the broadcast to spend time with him and kind of kind of help just, you know, be some filler and just hang out and, and cut up a little bit. So look for that live broadcast all weekend long from Ryan Schlipp. He is the man when it comes to uh, doing draft coverage. Absolutely love what he does every year. And then the other date I thought worth mentioning, 
was May the 2nd. It's the deadline for using the fifth-year option. That's going to be the next key date for the Green Bay Packers. May the 2nd is the deadline for for applying that fifth-year option to first-round picks that were selected four years ago. All right, again, I thought we'd just add those dates in there so everybody can kind of be prepared of, of what's coming up in terms of the Green Bay Packers and, and, and dates to look for. Guys, it's draft week. I'm fired up. Can't wait to hang out with you guys on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And like I said, uh, as we uh, as we come out of the draft, we'll be excited about breaking down these prospects and seeing exactly who are going to be the next Green Bay Packers. We'll get jersey numbers. We'll get all that good stuff and kind of see all right, where they're going to fit into our scheme. And then immediately following that may 2nd deadline for using a fifth year option it's going to get here quick man the off season is going to be here you know off season program all that stuff has kind of already started um, i believe it was said that aaron Rodgers will be at mini camp that's really cool um, if that is the case if that i believe that's true we need to, to double check that but that's going to be awesome as well so that being said that's the show thank you guys for hanging out with us on this sunday afternoon some of you may be listening to it on monday for the work day hope you enjoyed it and uh, if you guys liked it, man, give us some feedback on Twitter. If you got a question or a topic you want kind of hit on, much like the uh, the Facebook post that we had earlier in this episode, hit me up on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Make sure you give Ryan Schlipp a follow to at Pack underscore daddy. With that being said, guys, gals, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And as always, go Pack Go.